Hey there, friends. It's Nick. So my favorite line from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I've mentioned this before, I'm sure, is comes, of course, from the brilliant, the brilliant sheriff of Nottingham. Loxley, I'll cut out your heart with a spoon, says Alan Rickman. And when moments later, his dim-witted cousin, that's the sheriff's cousin, obviously not Rickman's, questions this choice of cutlery. Alan Rickman answers with another trademark snarl, really, and says, because it's blunt, you idiot, it'll hurt more. Now, these are funny, funny lines in a film which is stolen, really, by Rickman's character, because he is funny. But there's no hidden meaning there. Yesterday, we talked about subtext, and there's no subtext in these lines. They're puddle deep, really. The sheriff intends to cut Robin's heart out with a spoon because it will hurt more. That's it. That's the whole of the thing. But if you contrast that line with the one that, that, that Rickman has in his last outing as Snape in the Harry Potter movies, the last line, the last five words that Snape says are, well, he, let me back up a bit. Snape is dying. He's uh, been attacked by Voldemort and the snake, Nagini. And Harry gets to speak to him, to, to be with him, really, in his last few seconds. And the last five words that Snape says are something that Harry has heard time and time again through the series of books. You have your mother's eyes. And although we won't know for a, a few more minutes, but, you know, we'll know pretty soon, those five words have huge depth. Those five words contain all of Snape's life in some sense, all of his motivation. And it's, it's obviously, it's filled with subtext. It's filled with the subtext of the fact that Snape loved, loved Harry's mother in a deep way. And it's one of those things that just it's been one of those secret powers behind the series. When we go back through all the books, we go back through all the movies and we reevaluate Snape's behavior based on those five words. They have an awful lot of depth. And I've talked about the value of subtext in storytelling. And there, of course, there are whole books on this. You know, you can buy books about subtext in stories. But in business, I think, I think we need to take it fairly slow and keep it fairly simple and think about subtext as a way of informing, engaging, persuading people, connecting with people when we want them to know something, but we don't want them necessarily to, we don't want to shout it in their faces because shouting things in people's faces is very often the wrong thing to do. So let's, let's, um, the two-step process is this, and it's barely enough to be called the process. But what do, we, what do we want our audience, whoever they may be, to know or to think or to feel? That's the first step. Once we know that, we can think about what do we need to tell them? What could we tell them so that they could work that thing out for themselves? And if you want a dumb example, here's a dumb example. You know, when I stepped back from my business and eventually sold the agency in 2018, you know, I had this, it's a bit like when I left IBM when I was 27 or whatever, I had this strange reaction, this strange insecurity. You're well, not strange at all, I suppose. It's, it's 
quite an obvious thing. I felt insecure about this kind of weird loss of status. I'd gone from being the guy who owned and ran this business that I had employees, I had people asking questions, you know, I had, you know, my opinion kind of mattered to this other state where I was, and I've talked about this before, but I was essentially in a room writing a thriller and I, I, I was my own boss and I was the only person I was sort of seeing, if you think, you know, at work on a regular basis. So there's a weird loss in status. And what I found is that I really wanted people to know that I'd, that I'd built a business to sold a business, even though it wasn't relevant to what I was doing now. And that's, that's one of the things I could have said, right? This would be option one. I can introduce myself at parties as Nick. I built an agency with clients around the world. I could do that, but that's a lot like kind of shouting in someone's face, right? And we know from earlier, um, earlier episodes of this particular series, we know that if we do that, if we try and tell people things rather than showing them, it doesn't work as well. There's more resistance. And one of the things we learned about the value of stories is that people kind of process stories with their shields down. So I could say, yeah, I'm Nick, I build an agency with clients around the world. Or I could, for example, I could invite them into a story at some point in a conversation. I could say the first time I traveled to Hong Kong for business, or the first time I went into Europe for business, what, you know, whatever it might be. And that's a kind of a, a subtexty way of, of talking about, of getting across the thing that I want to get across. And, uh, you can see how it's smoother. We're inviting the audience into a story and just letting the subtext do the work. I'm not saying in that particular example that I built an agency with clients around the world, but you can see the implication. The first time I traveled to Hong Kong for business, it's more powerful. It's, it's more engaging. It's the kind of thing that, like I say, people will listen to with their shields down rather than their shields up because I'm not bashing right into them. I'm sort of doing an Aikido kind of job, I suppose, subtext in business. It can be simple, but it can still be so powerful if you want your story to mean business. There we go. We meandered a bit around that one, but I got to the end of it. Thanks for listening. If you want to dig deeper into the stuff that I do, search online for story.business. Bye now.